What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. Happy October, everyone! I'm your ghostly host of Many Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and I think birds are pretty neat. But today on the show, we're going in a more mammalian direction when it comes to flying. Bats! Bat facts! That's right, today we're going to take an in-depth look at one of our favorite creepy critters, the bat. Why do bats hang upside down? How did bats become associated with Dracula? What are some of the craziest bat species in the world that you've probably never heard of? Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, if Batman was bitten by a radioactive bat, what powers would he have? So, right off the bat, (laughs) why are we scared of bats? I'm using we loosely. I certainly love bats, and I know many of you do as well. I think the book Stella Luna did a great job of removing some of the stigma against bats. But still, bats are creatures of the night, and are associated with vampires, Halloween, haunted mansions, and other spooky stuff. They're often feared as carriers of rabies, as bloodsuckers, or as pests who will nest in your hair if you wear an attractive updo inside a cave. Today we're going to explore some of these myths and show you that you really shouldn't be afraid of bats. Well, in most cases, <laughs> Joining me today to get her blood sucked is bat lover, writer, and co-host of the show Night Call, Molly Lambert. Hello! Should I say Lambat? <laughs> <laughs> you can say Lambat, or should I say Lambert? <laughs> <laughs> Molly Lambat, or should I say Lambert? Uh, thank you so much for having me on today, Katie. I am so excited to talk about bats. I know I wrote this special for you because you mentioned you like bats. Uh, I've been talking about bats a lot recently anyway. <laughs> uh, and then when you said it was a good idea to do it for an October episode, it yes. just all came together. Yes, it, it certainly did. I, I'm very excited for this because I think bats are one of the coolest uh, groups of animals in the world. And it's also it's it's Halloween times. So. Yeah, I think I was like, I would like to know everything about bats and you can provide that service. I don't, there's such a, 
they're so diverse that I'm there's no way we can cover in like an hour and a few minutes everything about bats, but I'm going to try. <laughs> we'll we'll fly over the surface. <laughs> so uh, bats have a special place in folklore as spooky creatures, and it goes just beyond Halloween and vampires. There are many legends in cultures around the world and throughout history that feature the bat, and it's not always negative. So in ancient Egypt, bats were thought to be defenders against demons. Hanging a bat over your doorway would stop disease-toting demons from entering your home. In China, the bat is a symbol of happiness and good fortune. Uh, and in Cherokee fables, birds and mammals were playing a game of ball when a small mouse-like creature tried to join the mammals' teams, but it was mocked and scorned by the larger animals. The birds took pity on the bat and fashioned wings made out of a hide from a drum so he could join the birds' team, and therefore the bat was created. In the Creek version of this fable, the birds are the ones who reject the bat and the mammals give bird teeth, and then that's how the bat happens and then in Mayan folklore, the Mayan bat god Kamazots is the death bat, which was a god of night, death, and sacrifice. Uh, in one legend, he stole the plucked head off of a Mayan hero and hung the head up on the god's ball court to play with. <laughs> so it's interesting. A few of these bats, are uh, their origin stories are in ball games. or <laughs> Yeah, and they definitely make sense for them to be associated with night because that's when they come out. Yeah. Um, I heard the, the thing about Chinese... Uh, folklore about bats being good fortune uh, in another documentary because apparently the word for bat sounds identical to the word for good fortune. That's right. Yeah. So there's like the five bats. Like a homophone. Yeah. And then there's this really cool pattern motif of bats that is like the good fortune. Yeah. Logo. I love it. Yeah. Like the five bats of fortune. Yeah. I like when a creature has a bad reputation and then you can explain why it's not deserved. They're like a boy. They're like a boy band. You have five bats. You think they're kind of bad boys, but they're really sweet. They're all the cute one, the bad boy and the sweet one. (laughs) The sensitive bat. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, they they do sometimes have a more negative connotation in culture, as we know. Uh, In the 1825 book, Fairy Legends and Traditions of South Ireland, uh, bats were fabled to hijack human bodies and take them on joy rides. So here's a quote from the book, quote, the Fuka, I think is how it's pronounced, the Fuka would take his victims on great adventures as far away as the moon. He compels the man of whom it has got possession and who is incapable of making any resistance to go through various adventures in a short time. It hurries with him over precipices, carries him up into the moon and down to the bottom of the sea. Uh, So basically the fuka, which is like some kind of bat demon, would take over your body and just ride it around town. Sounds fun. It does sound fun. I I don't know. I feel like in terms of demonic possession, that's pretty cool if they take you to the moon, (laughs) the bottom of the ocean. Anything where you get to fly is like, who's going to say no to that? Come on. And one of the big questions that I, I had and I think some of our listeners would have is how bats got associated with Dracula and vampires in general. So Steve from Twitter asks, uh, why did bats get the blood-sucking reputation when very few types of bats drink blood? What about leeches, mosquitoes, etc.? And I think that this is, bats became really prominent in popular culture following Dracula. And then even though there's only like three species that drink blood. Dracula was such a phenomenon in terms of uh, a popular book that 
when bats entered the public consciousness, the vampire bat, the blood-sucking bat, the connection to Dracula really kind of cemented. So according to an article from the Florida Bat Conservation Center uh, by Elizabeth Miller, vampire folklore predated the discovery of vampire bats, at least in, in the case of Spanish explorers, uh, when they invaded, explored, whatever you want to call it, invaded. Invaded. Um, anyways, invaded Central and South America. The Spaniards, quote unquote, discovered bats who would lap up blood and they called them vampires. Dracula wasn't the first man bat. Uh, there was Varney the Vampire, uh, which was written 50 years before Bram Stoker's Dracula, which uh, featured a bat-shaped vampire man. You know, here comes Varney. I, I guess with a name like that, it's going to be hard to uh, become the most famous vampire. It doesn't have this quite ring of Dracula. Sounds like a sounds like a down home kind of Midwest. Yeah, it's making me vampire. think about Ernest. Yeah, like, Ernest uh, goes to Transylvania, <laughs> who's Jim Barney is. Yeah, the exactly. Guy who plays Ernest, but right. also it has a real twang to it. But yeah. I, I like the idea of kind of a country vampire. Country as well. vampire, just you know. I don't like the vampires always have to be so aristocratic. Right, right. You have a vampire who's like, now, now, hold on, there. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to suck your blood, but don't take it too personal. <laughs> well, there's also a connection between bats and uh, farming. Yeah, yeah, because bats are often, especially vampire bats, are often pests when it comes to cattle. Um, oh, well, I was going to say the opposite, that they're positive because they eat all oh, the bugs, yeah. apparently, for oh, yeah. like cornfields and stuff like that. Yeah, insectivorous bats are actually extremely important. Right, it's the vampire bats that give the insectivore bats the bad reputation. But even yeah. vampire bats, it's not like they drain an animal. No. They just like kind of take a little bit, like a yeah, mosquito. Yeah, a little bit. The Really, the only danger from vampire bats is the potential to spread rabies. Which is really overstated, I've heard. It is, yeah. So we'll get into that in, into depth uh, a little bit later. What's interesting is that misconception you mentioned about uh, vampire bats is really what inspired uh, the transformation from Dracula into a bat. So uh, when Bram Stoker was writing Dracula, he read this news story about um, a vampire bat, and uh, he misunderstood or exaggerated the details from the story. So in his book, he writes, uh, quote, one of those big bats that they call the vampires has got at a mare during the night, and there wasn't enough blood in her to let her stand up. So like you mentioned, Vampire bats are teeny tiny. They're little tiny cuties. They can't drain. A and the horse idea of like a mosquito that could drain you is terrifying. Right. That also. is true. That yeah, just a huge bloated mosquito. I mean, really, what you were saying about leeches. We talk about leeches on night call. Yeah. And we recently read a horror story for our book club. This Junji Ito book, Smashed, has a book. Oh, I love Junji Ito. Oh, the first story <laughs> is about vampire bats. Um, yeah. And it's really scary, but. It doesn't blame the vampire bats. Yeah. Nor should it. <laughs> no. um, but leeches, like, it kind of just makes sense that bats are more photogenic. Yeah. Perhaps than leeches. I mean, leeches. Leeches be... are scarier because they have yeah. no face. Like, bats are cute. Yeah. And I would say that just in terms of the awareness, a leech is not as kind of aware and as smart as a bat. So I genuinely feel less empathy towards a leech. I don't hate leeches, though, because they aren't necessarily that bad you probably don't hate any creature well no that's not true i hate fleas because of what because like when i find a flea on my dog i'm like damn right. you to hell right well i feel that way about all insects where i'm like i like them in theory but then if they're like in my house i don't want them to be there and i 
try to get them out? I actually don't mind insects like in my house. It's it's specific to like if there's a pest that's bothering my dog, like a tick or a flea, I get really angry at it because I take it personally. Well, I watched like a local Pennsylvania documentary about bats and it had this whole section about like how everybody knows that bats come to live in your house during the winter. Hmm. Um, And it encouraged people to let the bats stay in your house because they eat bugs and they, they don't really hurt you. Yeah, I mean, in general, they they aren't really that harmful. Uh, I would say probably better to try to set up bat houses outside of the house, just because you know humans and bats. It's not. It's never a good situation to either way to kind of try to interfere with them or have them in the same space shared. Is by a bat humans. house like a birdhouse? It's basically like a birdhouse. Yeah, and we actually we'll, we're going to talk a little bit about bat oh, houses cool. too. I, I think like the fear of bats really comes from the vampire bat. Uh, and, you know, that's, as we stated, like, there's obviously other bats that are not, they don't drink blood. In fact, of the 1300 species of bats, only three drink blood. All are native to the Americas. So and they're all really big. The vampire bats? Right? Or no? No, no, they're tiny. They're, they're tiny? Small. Yeah. <laughs> what am I thinking of? The fruit, the, the flying fruit, foxes. Flying foxes. Fruit bats tend ones. to be bigger. Yeah. Vampire bats have really rapid metabolisms because they're so small. Uh, they need to get a blood meal about every night. Um, and if they go too long between feedings, they'll die. Kind of like how hummingbirds, they're so small and they have such a rapid metabolism, they need to constantly eat. Um, uh, luckily, blood is more, I guess, a little bit more sustaining than nectar. So they, they only need to feed about once a night. They do, this is a cute thing, so they kind of have a social safety net for if a bat doesn't get a meal. Uh, So uh, well-fed bats will trade their food with a neighbor for grooming. So by trade food, I mean regurgitate it into their mouth. Oh yeah, this comes up in the Gingy Edo story. (laughs) It's adorable though, because they'll, if you, you know, if you're a little bat and you're like, oh, I'm so hungry, if you just like groom another bat... The bat will regurgitate blood into your it's mouth. A collective. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing, especially uh, females when there's a new mother. They're especially willing to help her out, which I think is such an interestingly uh, empathetic social relationship. Um, and uh, so let's talk about these three species of vampire bats. So there's the common vampire bat, which I think is what people are most familiar with. There's the white-winged vampire bat, which is very similar to the common vampire bat. And then there's the hairy-legged vampire bat, which is real interesting little cutie. So the common vampire bat is found in Mexico, Central, and South America mostly. Uh, they feed on livestock. They won't. They don't drain them dry of blood. That's just impossible. They prefer it. One thing is true. They do prefer horses to cattle. So at least Bram Stoker got that right. <laughs> Um, but they will, whatever is basically available to them, they're opportunistic. Um, they're kind of super powered because they are, have noses that are full of little dimples that are that have a protein that's able to sense heat. So they can literally smell where the best um, vein is to suck blood that's from. That's so cool. And so they find these warm spots on the animal where the blood flow is the greatest, and their saliva contains an anticoagulant, uh, so the blood doesn't clot, and they can lamp it up more easily. So they don't suck blood. They don't use suction. They make a little, like, tiny incision and then lap it up. Kind of like a cat. Like a kitty, yeah, with wings <laughs> and tiny. <laughs> um, their tongue has a groove in it that's so narrow the blood 
travels up the bat mouth via capillary action. So like a little tiny, uh, it, it's how fluids travel through plants as well or up a paper towel. So it's just kind of like soaking up the blood. Um, and so uh, the white-winged vampire bat is essentially the same, just a little different uh, looking. It's got a more tan color and its wings are tipped in white. But the hairy-legged vampire bat is pretty amazing. So it's it's adorable. To me, it kind of looks like <gasps> Stitch from oh, Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. Do you see that? They're all so cute and they all have such different kinds of faces. I know. This one looks like it's got a little smile. It's adorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's found in South and Central America and Southern Mexico. Um, but instead of feeding on cattle, it feeds on birds. Uh, mostly it feeds on birds in the wild, but it also feeds on chickens because there's such an abundance of chickens that have been domesticated, um, which I think is kind of funny. It's like, you know, the the uh, Cherokee and Creek uh, folklore about bats and birds and like the, the ball game. It's like it's like they they're rivals with these birds and they, you know, have a kind of a antagonistic relationship with birds. I think it's funny. They have to fight for the air. Exactly, for the airspace. They've established a no-fly zone. (laughs) What is interesting about this bat, now most vampire bats do not bite humans. They don't, um, or they don't, they won't feed on humans. They don't bite them intentionally. The bites would be because they're scared. Um, However, the hairy-legged vampire bat has been recorded with human blood in its feces. Uh, And it's thought that because human farmers may live in close contact with chickens, especially low-income farmers, Uh, The bats are opportunistically feeding on the humans, um, which is actually very interesting because it shows that these bats can kind of adapt to different blood types. So from avian uh, blood to mammalian blood. Of course, they're not going to drain you dry of blood. Uh, The only concern is uh, the transmission of rabies, uh, which is always a concern with any mammalian bite that you get, uh, any wild animal that bites you. But as we'll soon discuss, uh, bats kind of get a bad rap when it comes to rabies. That's maybe not as deserved. The majority of bats do not drink blood. So many species of bats are insectivores, but they're also fishing bats who will, like <laughs> swoop down to the water and like like grab little fish and eat them. Which That's is so cool. It's pretty adorable. It's awesome. There are fruit bats. There are even bats that will feed on nectar, like hummingbirds. So. Here's the trumpet-nosed bat. Oh, I love it. He's got a really long snout, uh, and he he'll basically just like a hummingbird will feed on nectar. They're just like little blood hummingbirds. <laughs> That's the perfect way to think of yeah. it. Yeah, they're like if a hummingbird got bitten by a vampire and turned into a bat. <laughs> they're night night hummingbirds. Night hummingbirds, right? Exactly. And the lesser long-nosed bats, which are found in Arizona, New Mexico, and Central America. Uh, live in arid regions and they feed on nectar. And in fact, they feed so much on flowers, they will turn yellow after getting covered in pollen. Uh, So they're great pollinators too. Bats are pretty good for the environment. They uh, help keep down insect populations. They help pollinate fruit and distribute fruit seeds. They help pollinate flowers. Um, they're, They're amazing. They're basically like birds. Yes, exactly. They, there's also, so one more bat that I think you'll like is the pallid bat, which is from Western Canada to Central Mexico. 
who is a desert bat who eats insects off the ground and also eats scorpions. Wow. Um, and it doesn't actually use echolocation as much as it just listens for insects with its great hearing. I like how they're all opportunists. Yes. Like whatever's around. Like Highly adaptable. It. Yeah. It's uh, They really are like Batman, where they just have like a utility belt of different traits. No, they're cooler than Batman. They Batman really are. Batman sucks. He, he does. He's a uh, cop. <laughs> um, bats don't snitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> These uh, pallid bats do actually release a foul odor when they're alarmed like a little skunk. That's cool. Yeah. So bats do a lot of diverse things that I think people... Maybe aren't as aware of, like you may have heard of like fruit bats, insect eating bats and vampire bats, but their range of behaviors is really incredible. They're an extremely diverse Are uh, they species. everywhere in the world? Um, well, no, they're not like literally everywhere because like, uh, you know, I don't think they're in uh, climates where it's too cold. Um, there's no Arctic bats. There's no Arctic there's no, bats like, white that I know. Bat. <laughs> there are white there bats, are white though. Bats. <laughs> so but they are found in many, many different areas. So not just in the Americas. They're found in Europe and Africa and South America. Um, and we'll actually go through some of the crazier species that we find all over the world in just a little bit. Is our fear of bats natural or learned? Researchers assessed the attitudes of Slovakian children towards bats and found that many of them were fearful. The researchers found a correlation between children's beliefs and myths about bats and their fear of them. Unfortunately, another study published in the Journal of Evolutionary Psychology found that support for conservation of animals is a bit of a beauty contest. The cuter the animals, the more likely surveyed people were to support conservation efforts, whereas quote-unquote ugly species such as garter snakes, cave spiders, and Ozark big-eared bats were given the lowest support for environmental protection. Well, that seems downright unfair to bats. What is this, high school? So let's dispel some of these myths and show you how beautiful inside and out these creatures are. When we return, we'll look at the facts behind the bats. I mean, the bats. The bat facts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. 
someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Now we're going to talk about some bad facts. Bat facts. Sometimes human culture intersects with real bat behavior. Have you ever wondered why bats are so synonymous with Halloween? It could be the creep factor. They come out at night, they van to suck your blood. Well, only some of them, and only if you're a cow, basically. But there may be another reason. When Irish immigrants fled the potato famine and came to America, they brought with them the Celtic festival of Samhain, in which celebrants would wear costumes to scare off ghosts. According to bat biologist Nate Fuller, these immigrants who came to the U.S. Northeast would have observed clouds of bats around October, some on migration paths, some gluttonously chowing down on insects before hibernation. So perhaps they associated these winged creatures with the Halloween celebration simply due to the bats' normal fall routine. Or maybe that's what the bats want us to think. So I think it's interesting because bats are just so associated with fall. Um, they, They aren't like you know, exclusively a fall time creature, but those big bat swarms would happen around the fall in the Northeast in America. Uh, and it, it's pretty, it, it's kind of like flocks of birds where it's sort of, it, it's awe-inspiring to see that many bats all flying together. Yeah, I saw that for the first time like two years ago. Oh um, yeah, in person? Yeah, because we don't really have big, f- I mean, maybe we do have them in Los Angeles, but... Not as much of the big flocks of them. I wonder if there's, if there's got to be bats in Griffith Park. There are, yeah. In, um, and in the sequoias, yeah. Yeah, but just in a big national park, I saw like a billion bats. I thought it was oh, a flock park, of birds. What park were you in? Um, It was a place called Belden. Okay. Way up in Northern California. Oh, cool. For yeah. A friend's wedding, but I was like, oh, look at that big flock of birds. And <laughs> my friend was like, that oh, ain't no bats. bird. <laughs> and they lived under a bridge, it seemed like, which would. Yeah, that makes sense. Make sense. And that way you can hunt insects yeah. and fish if you're a fish bat. <laughs> um, and that kind of leads into I asked listeners on Twitter for their questions about bats. And this is actually a question I also have wondered about. And Kevin asks, he says it's a dumb question, but Kevin, it's not. This is a question I also had before researching this, uh, which is, why do they sleep upside down? I assume because cave floors are gross, but that's got to be wrong. I mean, first of all, cave floors under bats are kind of gross, to be honest. because they're full of guano. Full, Full of guano. And in fact, like sometimes if a baby bat falls down, uh, into the guano, like, and they can't get up. It's they're going to get eaten by insects, uh, which is awful. Um, but that's not actually why they sleep upside down. So most bats actually, unlike birds, they can't take off from the ground uh, because they birds can build up a momentum with their little legs. Uh, bats, their wings are a tissue that 
uh, connects from their hind legs to their forelegs. And so that prevents a lot of locomotion. So uh, hanging upside down allows them to be in a ready position for taking off. By falling and opening their wings, they achieve the velocity they need to start flight. So they're just basically ready to go. Cameron uh, from Twitter asks, uh, when they're on the ground, they crawl on their belly and use their little hands on the end of their wings. So how do they take off and start flying? Do they stand on their little legs? I feel like they would just keep smacking the ground with their wings and not have any room. So this is a really good question. And it's true that bats don't normally take off from the ground, but there are a few species that can, and it's really funny. So Bats who have been known to take off from the ground uh, evolved the ability to kind of scrabble on the ground, like uh, the New Zealand short-tailed bats who walks on the ground in search of bugs, uh, and vampire bats who sneak up on hosts by crawling on the ground. And they also need to, uh, like if a host kind of tries to get away from it, they need to be able to kind of like it's so scurry after them. It's so funny to see them crawl. I know. They really look very awkward. They look like a little, they do look like vampires because it looks like a little cape. Right, exactly. It looks like they keep getting tangled in their capes, mm-hmm. like uh, Edna Mode, no capes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Brown University conducted a study in which they put bats on treadmills, just to be mean, I guess just to make fun of them. Um, Predictably, most bats don't do so well. Uh, New Zealand bats can comfortably walk, and vampire bats, actually, they found, will run on their arms. So there's a really interesting video. Let me show you. And I'll post this video in the show notes. But here's a vampire bat running. Oh, my God. So cool. Sorry, I'm just responding to everything with, wow, that is cool. (laughs) It is cool. And you can see, like, its front legs are really bearing most of the brunt of the motion. They kind of look like something from Boston Dynamics, you know, Mm -hmm. like how those those interesting robots have like be are able to walk really interestingly. I wonder if they're going to build like a bat bot. Mm -hmm. That would be cool. I would I would finally support the robot uprising if they built a bat bot. <laughs> Speaking of kind of interesting uh, bats who have developed a kind of different way of locomotion. So Madagascar sucker-footed bats uh, look like they have little suction cups on their wrists and ankles. So here's a picture of them. Oh, doesn't he look? He looks like is he on a leaf? Yeah, he's on a so leaf. So cool. So they look like they would be suction cups, but they actually don't use suction. Um, they use wet adhesion, so they secrete bodily fluids at the pads, which stick to the smooth surface of the leaves. Um, and so by using these like Spider-Man powers to stick to leaves, they can avoid being uh, eaten by parasites because the parasites can't walk on the leaves as well because they'll just fall off. Uh, so it's like if Batman and Spider-Man had a baby. <laughs> Pretty sure I've seen Tumblr art of that. <laughs> Um, So now to the big question of the day is, do bats carry rabies? So Nicole from Twitter asks, I grew up hearing bats had a higher chance of carrying rabies, but no one ever explained why. So I'd like to know if that's true, and if so, why it's a problem for them. So bats do carry rabies, that's true. It's not a complete myth. Um, But the threat of rabies from bats is kind of uh, overblown. So obviously, disclaimer here, if you think you've gotten bitten by a bat, you should go to a doctor because it's better safe than sorry. Rabies don't have a, a yeah, cure. Yeah, don't say, it's okay. They told us on Creature Creature. 
That's probably don't write that in your last will and testament. Be like, (laughs) I think I'll be fine because Katie Golden on Creature Features said I would be. Um, No, so rabies can be uh, treated with a vaccine before you show symptoms, but once you start showing symptoms, it's almost always fatal. um, Basically, too late. So if you're, I mean, this is a general rule. If you're ever bitten by a wild animal especially a bat, especially a raccoon, especially an unknown dog, it's always a safer bet to go to the doctor and get it checked out because rabies shots aren't fun, but they work. And never pick up a bat you see on the ground. Just don't, I mean, it's, first of all, because uh, bats who are on the ground and aren't afraid of you and will let you pick them up is actually more likely to be sick. Right. Um, and you shouldn't handle them anyways. They don't want it. No. <laughs> they don't want you to. You might want to. You might want to give it a big old hug, but it doesn't want it. <laughs> Respect its personal space. Um, so according to the CDC, most bats don't have rabies. So this idea that all bats you encounter are just infested with rabies is not true. Uh, even of bats who were suspected of having rabies, who seemed sick or weak or were easily captured... Uh, when they tested them, only 6% of those tested positive. So a very small number of bats end up having rabies. Um, typically, like I mentioned before, bats who have rabies uh, grow very sick uh, quickly and will start to have abnormal behaviors like crawling around near humans, crawling around on your lawn, uh, not trying to escape when you approach them. So certainly never, like, if a bat seems whacked out of its mind, like, Probably not drunk. Well, it could be, I suppose, but you don't want to handle it. You don't want to pick it up. Um, the reason that bats get such a bad reputation for rabies is that they're the main culprits of the very, very few rabies cases that happen in the U.S. every year. So there's really only like a handful of rabies cases. We've done a pretty good job of basically wiping rabies out in in the U.S. Um, there's like one to three cases reported annually. Um, and uh, But of these, bats are often the culprit. And it's not that bats are more likely to... It, it's not that there's something about bats that make them more rabid or more likely to get rabies. It's that we've been treating the problem in dogs, which used to be the main carrier of rabies. So dogs, since they get rabies shot, are no longer the main vector. And raccoons, we've actually done a lot of pest control with raccoons that have also reduced the threat of rabies from them. And it's also a lot easier to notice. Like if you're bitten by a raccoon, you're going to know it. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas when you're bitten by a tiny bat, like you might not notice it as much. Um, Would a bat only bite in self-defense? You well, if Unless it's, it's a vampire bat, <laughs> I feel like yeah. So if if a bat is scared, uh, most bats aren't just going to go up to you and bite you. Even vampire bats, except for the hairy legged vampire bat. And even watch then. out for that one. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, most bats aren't looking to bite you. Uh, rabies does kind of affect the brain in a weird way, and it can make animals more aggressive and more defensive. Um, but certainly if you like squeeze a bat or you hold a bat in your hand, you know, it's going to get scared and it might don't bite you. Don't squeeze a bat. Don't squeeze a bat. Don't, oh, it's don't so pick tempting. up bats. It is tempting because they look like cute little Does anyone squeezable. have a pet bat? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't recommend them as pets, but I'm sure some people have them. Somebody. Um, Somebody's thought of that. <laughs> bats surpass raccoons as carriers just because we haven't really been, you know, with raccoons, there's been more of a concerted effort of animal control. Um, and kind of trying to approach the rabies problem. Um, 
But in the U.S., you really don't need to fear bats and rabies, uh, like just if you're normal everyday life, like uh, they're not gonna, they're not gonna try to bite you. Most bats aren't gonna try to approach you at all. If they swoop at you, usually that's, they're just looking for mosquitoes that are hovering around you. Um, so bats aren't really, they're really not that scary. <laughs> in fact, uh, in India and Asia, where rabies is far more prevalent and kills many more people a year, it's stray dogs who are the main culprits, uh, because most strays don't have the rabies vaccine. Um, and, you know, we don't fear dogs. <laughs> Another misconception about bats is that they're like flying vermin, like they're flying mice and rats, some kind of rodent. They're not rodents at all. They're chiroptera, which is uh, they have their own group of, uh, of species because there, there are tons of species of bats. Um, they didn't evolve from rodents. Um, they share a common ancestor with all placental mammals, um, some kind of like weird shrew-like animal that basically humans, whales, everything uh, came from. Um, their evolutionary history is a little bit of a mystery. <laughs> history, mystery. Um, some biologists think they may be related to the Kalugo, which are uh, also known as flying lemurs. They aren't lemurs. They're just called that because, you know. We don't know the difference. <laughs> Kalugos uh, have these like skin flaps and they glide around and they're insectivorous and they're nocturnal. So the idea is like even if they didn't necessarily evolve from Kalugos, they may have evolved from some kind of gliding um, mammal that eats insects and is nocturnal. And then those, those, fl those skin flaps just kind of developed more and more into wings because that gave them greater access to insects and a wider distribution of food. Um, so this leads into the question, why are bats nocturnal? <laughs> uh, and why did they evolve flight? So one of the theories about bats being nocturnal is that they uh, help them not compete with birds as much. Uh, so uh, yet again, those uh, the mythology about bats and birds competing like is just totally true. <laughs> it's like a rom-com. <laughs> they're they're uh, rivals, but then they fall in yeah, love. Yeah, exactly. Except for without the falling in love. It's more <laughs> or of falling in love with the blood sucking. Right. Or maybe, I guess, like a bat version of Twilight where the chicken is, what's her name? <laughs> and then the bat is Edward. They fall in love with the, the ones they feed on. I guess so. Well, isn't that the whole thing with Twilight? Like he eats. I think that's the whole thing with vampires in general. Right. They eat a lady, it's but a then little... they look. It's a little sexy and romantic. Right. It's it's like, it's like, oh, yeah. you look so delicious. I'm going to make an incision on your ankle and lap up your blood. It's very intimate. Very intimate. Um, I wouldn't let just anyone do that. No, I know. It's like, especially with the ankles. My goodness. Back when these uh, when these vampire stories were written. Right. Ankle, at that ankles time. Ankles were basically very boobs. Very salacious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Researchers wanted to examine this idea that they're nocturnal to avoid predation and to avoid competing with birds. And they found that the uh, a bat who lives on São Miguel Island, um, the Azores Noctule, actually does do more hunting during the day. And that island has very few insectivorous birds and very few predators. So that seems to be some evidence that uh, would confirm that idea, um, which I think is, it's like... It's kind of interesting that really, because there are a lot of insects during the day, there's not necessarily an intrinsic advantage to hunting insects at night, except that you're you're carving your own little 
ecological niche where you're just like, this is my time to hunt. Is that where the echolocation comes in? Yeah, I would guess that as they developed flight more, echolocation probably became more important because if you're flying around, you're going to gain velocity and slam into things if you can't see in the dark, essentially. Uh, so, um, but yeah, it's it's interesting how it's it's actually kind of difficult to check on their evolutionary history because of how tiny and delicate their bones are. So it's hard to get fossil records. Yeah. How do you get inside a bat ear? How do you get the smallest place? (laughs) Bats are one of the most diverse groups of mammals with a huge variety of species. In fact, it's estimated that one fifth of all mammals are bats. Fortunately, bats are, well, pretty chill little dudes. Far from being the solitary and brooding type like Batman, they're more like the Brady Bunch. They're often highly social and friendly with one another, even roosting with other species with little conflict. They live in colonies ranging from a handful of individuals to millions. We barely have a grasp on the enormity of these bat societies, as there are so many species of bats and such a diversity of group behavior. But here are some examples. Certain species will groom each other, feed each other, even build shelters together, as we'll soon discuss. In some species, colony members will share information about where to find food. Some species babysit each other's baby bats, called pups. Baby bats. Baby bats! Some bats will even communally nurse pups, sharing the role of wet nurse to help other mothers. Though there are some minor squabbles among bats, they're surprisingly easygoing, with few conflicts and generally they don't appear to have hierarchies or dominant structures. So maybe we could learn a thing or two about bats and start regurgitating food into each other's mouths like a bunch of hippies. When we return, I'm going to answer more questions about bats and take you on a journey to visit some of the most incredible species of bats in the world. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. 
And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Let's go on a trip to Imagination Station. Close your eyes. Now, think of a bat. Don't think too hard. Just let the first thing pop into your mind. You got it? When you think of a bat, what comes to mind? Is it a vampire bat, a fruit bat, a tiny bat, a big bat? Well, it's going to depend on what images of bats you've been exposed to over your life. What you're looking at in your brain space is called a prototype. In cognitive science, this means the image that your brain uses to match new visual information to your library of concepts. One of the theories is that prototypes are a sort of average over the experiences you've had with that particular thing. You have a prototype of cat made up of an average of cats you've encountered. There are some studies that suggest this may be the correct theory. Participants in a 1981 study were given a series of composite faces, which were based on a prototype face, and which were designed to, on average, resemble that prototype face. The participants were then shown the prototype face and were asked if they'd seen that face before, and they strongly believed they had. So why am I talking about prototype theory in bats? Well, I want to shake up your prototype of what your brain assumes bats look like. Bats are one of the most diverse groups of mammals with incredible physical variety, from tiny bats to huge bats, bats with faces that look like trumpets, to bats with faces that look like, well, kind of testicles. <laughs> Here are some really crazy bats. Like even when I was researching this, I didn't I knew that there was a huge variety of weird weird looking bats i didn't understand i there i was There's not prepared. so many i was not prepared i bought a book at skylight books that was just like a coffee table book of photographs of bats oh my god uh, it's just like every species of bat oh and my god i look at it all the time next time you're in can you show oh, me oh yeah i'll bring it in <laughs> that's how this that came about because i was like i shouldn't buy a book and i was like i have to own oh this oh my book. god you that isn't i'm gonna steal that book oh you should go get it it's so good <laughs> what's it called it's just called like bats bats <laughs> i want a bats book uh so christian with no h asks on twitter what are the largest and smallest species so the largest bats are the flying foxes. Uh, these are megabats. Uh, there's megabats, which are the big bats, and the microbats, which are the little bats. Uh, so these are megabats found in Southeast Asia. It's a fruit bat that eats fruit, nectar, and flowers. Uh, it can't actually echolocate, but it has very well-developed eyesight. Um, they weigh up to three and a half pounds with a wingspan of up to five feet. Uh, and from head to butt, it's about a foot long. Um, so to give you a sense of what this looks like, Molly, uh, here's someone holding one of these guys. Wow. Uh, it is it's a big boy. It's a big boy. Uh, even though it doesn't really weigh that much, just the wingspan, uh, it's like the size of a kite, essentially. Um, and they're called flying foxes because they have cute little fox-like faces. Uh, and but they're not related to the fox in any not way. Not at all. No, not related to foxes, not related to rodents. They're chiroptera. 
The smallest bat in the world is the bumblebee bat, or also known as Kitty's hognose bat, and they're really cute. Uh, also, they're one of the world's smallest mammals. Now, it's hard to say if they're objectively speaking the smallest mammal because, like, their wingspan is longer than some animals, uh, and they don't. It's it just depends on how you define smallest. It's about an inch long and weighs two grams. Um, that's not even enough weed to get you high. It's <laughs> a bumblebee's worth. <laughs> they have about a six-inch wingspan. Uh, they're about the size of a human thumb. They live in western Thailand and southeast Myanmar. Uh, they're vulnerable to being endangered, as are actually a lot of these species of bats. Uh, they eat spiders and flies, and they have little pig-like noses. And here's a picture of one of them on a human hand. Oh, it's perfect. It's the perfect animal. It's so small and tiny. Yeah, don't tiny hold a bat. But if you had to hold a bat, right, maybe right. you would want to hold that if bat. If you're a scientist, you could you get to hold you this bat. <laughs> Some lucky people. They're so tiny and small. <laughs> so I just cute. I want to pet it with one finger. I know, but you got to be very but gentle. Don't. But don't. <laughs> right. But don't. But don't. Um, so gray long-eared bats and big-eared bats have giant rabbit-like ears. Uh, that they kind of look like because they have these little veins. They kind of look like you just stuck two big leaves on a on a little creature. Um, and then uh, there's a bat that has tiny ears but a huge face. So the hammer-headed bat uh, is found in Africa in swamps and forests. They're fruit bats, and they're the males have huge heads shaped like a hammer. So here's one of these guys. So cool. Looks like a Rottweiler. Yeah, like one of those, what are those called? Um, the the uh, dogs that have the snouts. This flat face? It looks like Spuds McKenzie. Spuds McKenzie. That's, the, that's what that's the breed the kinda, is called. Yeah, Spuds McKenzie, but as a bat. It's a it's a bull, bull terrier, right? Is that what Spud, Spuds McKenzie is? I think so. Bull ter- that sounds right for a flatty face. Yeah, it's a bull terrier. It looks like a bull terrier and a bat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, so females don't have that big big schnoz. Um, males use their huge heads to make loud honks to attract females. Uh, oh, yeah, that's Spuds. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> spuds McKenzie. It Spuds the bat. Uh, so I'm going to play a clip for you of bats making the noise. It sounds like... It sounds like a space battle. It sounds so cool. It sounds like it sounds like Star Trek space battles to me. I would like to listen to that for just hours. <laughs> just bat ASMR. Now on to a really cute bat. One of my favorite bats is the Honduran white bat, uh, which are just little marshmallows with wings. Oh, uh, this is the bat that would, if you were gonna imagine what an Arctic bat might look right, like, right? Exactly. Look like this little dude. Exactly. So. They're little white bats. Uh, They look like cotton balls. They have yellow ears and noses due to carotenoids, uh, like what's found in flamingos, carrots, leaves, and uh, oranges. Um, Uh, And you and I. And you and I, yeah, to a certain extent. But we don't, uh, we don't, the density of carotenoids in bats is really interesting and how, like, densely they, they, like, collect it around their nose and ears, which is usually not seen in mammals. So it's really interesting. Um, it's kind of like how, so like flamingos, they get the carotenoids from their diet and they, their wings become very pink and colorful. 
And so, but that kind of thing, unless, I mean, we can turn orange if we eat just <laughs> insane amounts of carrots. Um, but uh, the bats do it with very little effort. It eats fruit, uh, mainly figs, and they make tents out of leaves. So they actually build tents by cutting through the sides of the leaf and folding it over like a tent. So cool. And they live in, it's a team effort too. So they each tent contains like a, from one to about a dozen bats and they'll all work on the tent together. Yeah, they're also communal. That's yeah. what I love about them. They're friendly. Yeah, and they all snuggle for they snuggle. warmth. Just imagine a bunch of little marshmallows with with yellow ears and a nose and wings just all snuggling together in a leaf. Yeah, it's like best. something from Miyazaki. Yeah, exactly. Like my neighbor Totoro. Yeah, they're cute. They're useful. They help <laughs> each other. They, they don't have a hierarchy. Like, it yeah. doesn't get better than that. Yeah, they're really, like, kind of got a utopian society they going on. They live in caves. <laughs> I think I just want all these things. I kind of want to be a bat. So the these uh, tents protect them from weather and predators. But imagine you didn't need to build a tent, but that you could make a tent out of your own body. So uh, here's a fun imagination station. Uh, imagine you had a sleep mask built into your neck flaps, like your neck skin, that you could just pull up and sleep on planes. It's kind of scary to imagine that, <laughs> but uh, I'm doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, it's what I imagine like Mitch McConnell does, you know, like he just kind of <laughs> recedes into his neck. Um, yeah, it would be cool if there was more, if we had more extremity in human faces. I'd like more flaps, honestly, yeah. like more flaps to, because I, I hate flying on planes and the light, someone opens the window, which you shouldn't do. I, I've seen clouds. I don't care about clouds. You're there to sleep. I'm there to sleep. Uh, I'm there to to try to force myself to sleep and not think about how there are clouds all around us and not see the beautiful vistas. That's not important to me. That's what your skin flaps for. That's what my skin flaps for. Uh, and it'd be such a strong social signal too, like someone's talking your ear off and you just, just slowly <laughs> start to like pull your skin flap up. <laughs> the divider goes up. <laughs> I also really empathize with, um, well, first let me say that there are a, there is a bat that can do this and they're called wrinkle-faced bats. And personally, I can't actually sleep unless I pull like my shirt up over my chin. I have no idea why. It's almost like I'm afraid someone's like gonna like come in the middle of the night and stab me in the neck. So I've got to like protect my neck with my I do that shirt. with a blanket. Really? Yeah. I like to be tucked in. I yeah. like to be like covered by a leaf, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, that just that security of like, I am covering up my face with Unless it's really it. hot, then I can't do any of those things, <laughs> which happens. A I lot. have to do it or I can't sleep. It's very bizarre. Maybe I'm like part bat. Yeah. Maybe I was bitten by a radioactive bat and this is the crappy superpower that I got. <laughs> well, I was going to say we're both really pale redheads. That's Maybe true. there's a reason we think bats are cool because they can only come out at night. Because we only come out at night. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, wrinkle faced bats are found in Central America. Uh, as their name suggests, they have a very wrinkly face. Uh, here's a picture of these so dudes. So cool. They look like... One of them's got a mohawk. Look a little bit like... Look, I don't want to get naughty on the show, but they look a little bit like a ball sack. Yeah, I mean, they kind of also look like a waffle. A waffle, right. A skin waffle. A flesh waffle. Um, so males have a flap of skin they can pull down and use as a face mask while they're sleeping. 
Um, and they also have mouth pouches to store fruit in, um, which is just, I love seeing, imagining this little wrinkly face just distended over like a grape, like a, like a hamster. Where are those ones? The mouth pouches, they're like right on his little cheeks, like right there. Yeah. Oh then, no, I meant where are the, where do those bats, uh, where do those bats come from? Oh, they're in Central America. I wonder why that didn't become more of a thing with all the other bats having like a skin flap. Yeah, it's a good question. Just their faces seem like such a great, here's biodiversity, of, let's try everything. Well, it's like, you know that like Dr. Seuss thing, this the Thneed thing, like in the Lorax, where it's like a, it's a basically a piece of fabric that can be turned into many different articles of clothing and like a purse or a shirt or sweater. Um, like, that's how I feel like these bat faces are. It's like, can be an eye mask, can be like a storage thing it can just look really beautiful <laughs> they're like plants yeah they do look a bit like an orchid don't yeah, they they really do especially some of the nose spikes like stuff. a fleshy fleshy orchid mm -hmm. yeah in fact a lot of bats are called uh, leaf nose bats because their nose look like little leaves they they are they're really beautiful to they're me so cool they look like flowers um, and there's those Ernst Haeckel drawings of bat faces. Oh that yes, I have always loved. Yes, I'll probably put that online. The the diversity of bat faces. Yeah, uh, there it's it's really incredible. Um, and speaking of awesome looking bats, here's a bat with a mohawk. Oh yeah, this is called a Chapin's bat. It's found in Central and South America. They're insectivores. Uh, it's a little bat with a big hairdo. Um, Looks like Wendy O. Williams. <laughs> I don't know who that is. She's a she likes to. She's like a cool punk lady who blows stuff up and oh, smashes it with hammers, and she has yeah. like a mohawk kind of. Yeah, uh, it does look very punk rock. Uh, it's got it's it's literally like it's the closest thing I've seen to like a punk rock mohawk in a mammal. Really? Yeah. Um, it absolutely looks like a punk mohawk. Um, it's probably for sexual selection, uh, since they're more prominent in males. It's probably soft. Yes. It's probably less spiky than a real mohawk. Uh, stop making me want a pet I bat. I know, that's all I can do is talk about <laughs> making yes. me want a pet bat. They look, they, I just want to pet a bat and not get rabies. Yeah, <laughs> just once. Um, so Christian, with an H, uh, asks, um, do bats pee or crap on themselves when sleeping? How do they keep babies safe while upside down? Do they have protection against poor air quality in caves? So this is a good question. Um, when bats are roosting, they don't poop and pee on themselves. They actually will flip over to go to the bathroom. Um, and so you have, I mean, they'll when they're flying, they'll poo and pee just in the air, just like birds do. But um, like when they're in their caves, they, they don't want to. They don't get poop on themselves. Mm -hmm. That's for um, the cave floor. That's for the floor. So they'll they'll do a little somersault so they can poop. Uh, they do give birth to babies upside down, though. And the mother has to kind of catch the baby on the way. Right, down. and then they drop them sometimes and they aren't it, allowed to get them. Yeah, I mean, if they drop... I saw a sad documentary where that happened. Yeah, if they drop them, I think it's just, like, really difficult to retrieve them. Um, and so, and, and, like, they do get like a baby that gets dropped is not going to make it generally. Yeah. Um, so high stakes, high stakes game of catch here. Like um, circus performers. It's like if we shot a baby out like when giving birth and the doctor just had to like catch it. 
We're like, we had to catch Back it. Back to the ball game. <laughs> <laughs> um, the baby will quickly start to learn to cling to its mother's belly. Uh, and in some species, the mother can fly with the baby clinging to her stomach. Like in Stella Luna. Remember mm-hmm, that book? Mm-hmm. And then like they get attacked by a hawk or something. Mm-hmm. And Stella Luna gets lost from her mom. <laughs> But then she's not abandoned. <laughs> but then she gets raised by birds and they're like, why are you so strange? And it turns out she wasn't strange. She was a bat. All along. All along. Uh, <laughs> so the other part of the question is about um, poor air quality in caves. And actually, this is a little bit of a misconception. Generally speaking, air quality in caves is fine. Mm-hmm. There are some exceptions, obviously, um, but natural caves typically have a good amount of oxygen and air mixing, uh, and they rarely have dangerous gases, although there are some caves that do, like, have high concentrations of CO2, so don't just, like, go, don't pick up a bat, squeeze it, and go marching into a cave and be, be like, well, in, Katie told me to. Don't go in a cave where bats are and right. pick up a bat. Right, and, like, shove your face in all their guano and such. Um and the the things you really have to look out for are mines. And mines are more dangerous because they don't have, unlike a natural cave, they don't have as much air circulation. There's usually like one way in and one way out. So that's how dangerous gases can often build up in mines. Um, bat caves, though, uh, do offer a little extra gassiness because bat guano does give off ammonia gas. Um, I'm not exactly sure how bats cope with the strong ammonia. My guess is that air circulation in the caves, the humidity or their distance from the guano is probably enough to keep it from bothering them. But if there's any bat biologists or caveologists, spelunkologists out there, uh, send me a message. Tell me how wrong I am. (laughs) Here's another question about bats. Uh, Doc Garby asks, would you rather fight one Batman-sized bat or 20 bat-sized Batman?" Yes. Um, So obviously that depends on the species of uh, bats. Like if the Batmans were the size of the bumblebee bat, definitely 20 bat-sized Batmans. Um, And honestly, though, the real answer to this question is uh, fighting a Batman-sized bat because the bat isn't going to want to fight me. Yeah, if I see a big bat, we're going to be friends. We're going to be friends. I'll be like, hey, can I groom you? Yeah. Can I brush your Can hair? Can we throw up in each other's mouths? Like, <laughs> Would you like to throw up yeah. in my mouth? I'll throw up in your mouth if you throw up in it's mine. It's a back and forth. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, and similar to this, Waffles asks, if Batman was bitten by a radioactive bat, what powers would he likely have? Uh, not including cancer, um, which I guess <laughs> is a concern with radioactivity. Um, so... Uh, if he was bitten, it, it again depends on the species of bat. So if he was bitten by a vampire bat, he'd be able to use his nose as a heat detection system. So he could like maybe put his nose on a wall. I'm imagining like ultra powers. Like this is not something an actual vampire bat can do, but maybe a radioactive vampire bat could do. Like maybe he could like put his nose against a wall and like use that as heat sensors to see where all the criminals are. His bite would also contain an anticoagulant. So, you know, he'd just like bite the joker and he'd bleed out, I guess. He could also, as we've talked about, vomit up blood to feed Robin to keep him nourished. He's a grown boy. He's a grown boy wonder, and he needs all vomit of this his blood. would make Batman like a little cooler. It'd make him so much better. And he he doesn't believe in hierarchies, right? 
So he wouldn't be. He first of all, he wouldn't like, be a Batman. He wouldn't be Batman. He would just be like, "Hey, I'm Man Bat. I'm going to give all my wealth away. <laughs> um, I'm going to bite people who are bad and vomit blood up into children's mouths and echolocate and echolocate a true hero." Um, he'd also have exquisite hearing. He could probably hear flies having sex, probably hear everyone having sex, which sounds like a horrible nightmare. Bats actually uh, will listen for um, flies as they're having sex. They make like sexual buzzing as flies have sex. And then if a bat hears that, they know how to target them and eat them. And they'll just eat both of them. Oh, in flagrante. Yes. (laughs) So... Kind of, kind of like both a messiah and a horror movie villain who would just eat people who have sex. And if he was bitten by the sucker-footed bat, he would be able to scale buildings like Spider-Man. So, you know, as long as he's on our side, he'd be great. But if uh, just like we'd have to be a chaste, equitable society. <laughs> Matt asks, is there a way to attract uh, bats to come live in the bat houses we've put up and a related question from lady friend is bat addicts I should get some right so this is kind of what we were talking about before um, I don't know if you want bats in your attic uh, especially because they they won't they won't destroy the attic at all they don't chew through things but they'll they'll poop a lot and I don't know if you want poop there um, isn't guano like used to make dynamite also is it? I didn't know that. There's something, it's used for something that makes it really valuable. I believe it involves explosives. Oh, yes. It's because dried bat guano consists largely of saltpeter, potassium huh. nitrate. Wow. Explosive um, poop. The Confederates used it after their supplies were cut off. Oh, my gosh. In the Civil War. I wonder what would happen if you gave, like, a bat chipotle. Would that just be, like... Uh, uh, an H-bomb of... (laughs) That's pretty incredible. Maybe you don't want bats in your attic. I don't think it'll... Blow up your attic. Probably not, unless you process it. But it might lead to some Confederates coming in, which... The FBI raiding your house, like, what's with all this explosion? Yeah. (laughs) It's explosive material. (laughs) Um, But bat houses are a great idea. Um, So uh, if you want bats to take up residence in a bat house, it's uh, location, location, location. Uh, according to Bat Conservation International. So lures don't really work to attract them to the house. Obviously, you shouldn't like try to force a bat into a house. You shouldn't pick up a bat and like place it in a house. Don't pick up bats. They're adorable. I know you want to. Just don't, don't touch do it. Them. Don't touch them. Instead, they recommend making the house appealing by placing it against a wall or solid wood structure rather than a pole to regulate the temperature as the bats will prefer warmer houses, but not too hot. So around 80 to to 100 degrees Fahrenheit in the summer. Um, By choosing where the home is in the sun or shade and what color you paint it, you can control the temperature. And I'll I'll put up a link to the, um, uh, there's a bat conservation um, uh, worksheet about like how to to make a cool bat house. Uh, Decoy Decoy asks, I've always heard bats do fellatio and cunnilingus to each other a lot. Is there any truth to that? Yes, there is. <laughs> so Another we, point for bats. Another point for bats. So I talked about this on the Worst at Sex Awards episode, but uh, biologists found that female Chinese fruit bats indeed perform fellatio during mating copulations. Uh, it's thought that this is used to help encourage the males to keep going, so successful insemination occurs. It's kind of like... A little bit of an attaboy, like, you're doing a good job, keep on going. It's got to be, they're probably doing it, like, really having to crunch those abdominal muscles. (laughs) 
Got to put those wings out of the way. <laughs> and I bet you're thinking, uh, well, that's great, but do male bats perform cunnilingus? Um, and in fact, they do. So researchers have found that male Indian flying foxes will perform oral sex on females, which I think is great. I mean, hell yeah, bats. We can learn so much from bats. Bats have great lives. They're basically the best animal. I yeah, think, I think right? I'd like to be a bat. Right. Yeah. I mean, they have they have equitable societies. They have welfare. They practice uh, sex on each other. And, and they're a, cute and fluffy and they can and fly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> here's another point in the favor of bats. If you take a video of bats hanging upside down, flip it and put some music to it, they look like they're dancing. Oh, um, yeah, it does. <laughs> so I'll post this, I'll post this video. Oh, in they're the show so notes, cute. They, they, def- they look, it's a little trio of bats, and they look like they're dancing because they're just kind of like, I guess, breathing. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I can't play the video on podcast. I'm pretty sure it's got... But you, if you can imagine the cutest, funniest right. thing you've ever seen. Right, right. Look at the leg work. Uh-huh. Look look at the little leg go here. Like, looks like he's tap dancing. Oh, it's so cool. It's hilarious. So you got any, got any more stories about bats? Well, I haven't had that much experience with them personally. So I've only really seen them in other places. But now I want to find the ones in LA. Yeah. See if we can track them down. I did see when I was in Las Vegas a couple years ago um, that bats congregate around the Luxor Pyramid. Really? Because there's so many, because it's a big light. Yeah. And they shoot a big light out of the top of the pyramid. Oh, and bugs, right? Yeah. So there's so many bugs that it's like a great place for bats to go. Oh, that's great. So all the desert bats hang out there and you can see like a cool... Big spotlight for the bats. It's the best show in town. That's awesome. I'm actually going to Vegas in a little Oh, well, check it out. I'm going to check out the bats. Probably not going to gamble at all. Going to spend all my time looking at bats. Exactly. (laughs) I I would also love to recommend the uh, atomic bomb testing museum in las vegas is really cool oh really yeah it's like a smithsonian museum about all the atomic bomb stuff and it's really scary (laughs) are the bombs made out of bat bat guano no but it's funny because it's like it all happens out in the desert so true you know i'm sure it was in some places where bats are leaving the guano around so maybe they were (laughs) like oh just another explosion just another day one of those desert bats that can crawl on the ground just like oh geez (laughs) back to the pyramid Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank uh, you. So you're, you're a part of a podcast called Night Call. Yeah. I've had Tess on. Uh, Gotta get Emily for the trifecta. I know, I know. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about your podcast? Sure. And- Night Call is a podcast about sort of the occult and esoterica. We do talk about UFOs and ghosts and stuff like that a lot. But we also talk about animals, which is why this is a great pod to cross over on. I know. Because we also talk about... Uh, leeches specifically <laughs> recently um, and sometimes baths so you have to come on night call next oh I'd love to be on night call uh, I will talk to you about all sorts of creepy animals having an animal expert on call is like something I've always dreamed of in my life <laughs> <laughs> just having someone who I can ask the kind of questions that people ask you right like is Bigfoot made out of eels and the answer I don't know the science is nobody knows yet <laughs> uh can people find you on social media yeah you can find me on twitter at molly lambert 
and uh, other places. Yeah. 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 You can find us on the internet, uh, CreatureFeaturePod.com, CreatureFeaturePod on Instagram, CreatureFeetPod on Twitter, F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. That'll bring you somewhere very different. Uh, you can find me at Katie Golden. I'm also at ProBirdRights, uh, and I urge you to ignore all of the propaganda in this episode about being pro-bat rights, because in fact, birds are the superior creature. Oh, I disagree. Somebody help me. I'm being controlled by birds. Anyways, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you're enjoying the pod, please leave a review, subscribe, press all the numerous buttons available to you below the episode. And send Katie pictures of your bat houses. That would be wonderful. Send me pictures of bat houses, dick dicks, chevrotains, anything really. And thanks to the Space Cossacks for their awesome song Exolumina. Creature features a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> Redwood Forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.